Good morning, faith family. Hey, it's good to see you. If you got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We are continuing in our series, A Not-So-Silent Night, as we're taking a real honest look at the Christmas story. And uh, this morning, we're going to look here in Luke 1. For our scripture reading, we're going to read starting at verse 46 down through 55. And so if you're able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46, this is the Word of God to us this morning. It says that Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His offspring forever. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, we do um, bow our hearts now before You. We want to meet You. Uh, We want to hear from You, from Your Word. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm asking that You, by Your Spirit, would come and bring comfort to those in this room who I know are facing things in life that um, are suffocating, are confusing, things they don't understand. So help us engage with your word as your spirit works among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's that time of year. It doesn't matter where I go or how far I run, I can't escape it. Every radio station I turn on, every store I go in, there it is, Christmas music. In fact, I bet some of you, just even this past week, were working around the house or you were driving to work or you were shopping in the mall and there in the background was Christmas songs and you were humming them as you went along. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that almost all of the popular Christmas songs that you hear around you right now on a daily basis are so happy and jolly and like picture perfect? To prove my point, we've put together just a little sampling of some of the songs that you're hearing so that you can see that theme that kind of runs through them all about being happy and jolly. Take a listen. Frosty the snowman was a jolly, happy soul. Have a holly, jolly Christmas. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Tis 
the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. Down we now are gay apparel. Fa la 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 la. And we could go on and on and on all day with song after song about chestnuts roasting on an open fire. It's so peaceful. And, and, and sleigh rides through the snow. Uh, although where I'm from, a sleigh ride in the snow looks a little more like this. So that's, a, <laughs> that's my uh, winter experience. Uh, and songs about, oh, this, this baby who no crying he makes, which is the greatest miracle of all, right? I mean, it's the season to be jolly. It's all around us, isn't it? And, and don't misunderstand, I'm not trying to be Scrooge this morning and humbug all your Christmas songs. But what I want you to know is that when you come to Luke chapter 1, you're actually reading the very first Christmas song. But it's not jolly. It's not sentimental. Uh, in fact, this song isn't sung by uh, uh, Ben Crosby or, or Nat King Cole or, or Michael blah blah or whatever, you know, <laughs> however you pronounce that, you know. It's not. It's sung. This first Christmas song is sung by a poor peasant teenage girl who is frightened for her life. In fact, the song is written and produced historically in a time that's not so sentimental either. King Herod is about to issue a decree to kill babies. The shepherds are about to be out in the fields and face-to-face -face with warrior-like beings to the point they think they're going to die. Joseph, as we saw last week, is going to receive news that makes him think that he should just call everything off with Mary. And Mary receives the news that she's going to be the mother of the Son of God. It's really interesting that the songs we see about Christmas today are so jolly, and yet the first one is anything but. Notice what Luke shows us here as an angel of the Lord appears to Mary, how Mary responds, verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She's not, hey, what's up? Oh, cool. No, she is troubled. She's worried. She's anxious. She doesn't know what to do. In fact, the angel has to respond in verse 30 to her. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I know you're afraid. I know you're scared right now. But you need to know that you're favored with God. And then when the angel gives the announcement about Jesus, Mary responds in verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't happen. I don't understand. This is crazy. In fact, Luke goes on to say that even when she does submit, we don't see her submitting enthusiastically. In fact, notice it says in verse 38 that, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. That's it. I I'm your servant, so let it be. Like, no, hooray, I get to start my own nativity set. 
Or they're going to make candles with my face on it. They'll even name a football pass after me. (laughs) No, there's no sense of, all right, this is exciting. It's, I'm scared. I'm troubled. How does this even work? But let it be. Let it be. And then in verse 39, we see in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. Do you get the point? I'm wanting you to see the pattern, particularly with last week and now this week, that when the announcement of Jesus' birth came, it altered the life of Joseph and Mary forever. Mary is worried and she has every reason to be, I don't blame her, because you need to understand that, that Mary is facing a whole lot of different worries in life and some of you will be able to relate to this. For instance, financial worry. Joseph is a day laborer. They're not just making it month to month or week to week. They're trying to make it day to day. They don't even know, will they be able to eat enough tomorrow because Joseph works on a day-to-day basis, a day laborer. They are dirt poor. We know this because when they go to the temple and they offer up their offering, you know what they give? Two pigeons. That was the lowest form of offering that you could give in that day. They got nothing. And now we have another mouth to feed. We're going to have a baby. And not only financial, but marital. You remember from last week, Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 is considering leaving this whole thing. I mean, can you imagine the lump in Mary's throat to say, how am I going to break this to him? I'm pregnant. And it's because of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I mean, can you imagine the relational tension that she's feeling in this announcement? Or, or, or the social worries? She's, she will be considered a, a whore, a harlot, an adulterer, a sexual outcast. She'll have to carry that the rest of her life. Everybody will look at her that way. And if Joseph walks, she's a single mom in a culture that doesn't have a welfare system. She's done. And if things get bad enough, if Joseph goes public enough, she might even be killed. Do you see, like, guys, I'm not making this up. This is real life in Luke 1. And and if those worries weren't enough, marital and financial and social, then add the spiritual worry. Mary has just been told that she's going to raise the Son of God. I mean, just try offering the mealtime prayer when Jesus is at the table. That's right, in Jesus, I mean, my son's name, I don't don't know, right? Or try leading the family devotion when the creator of the world is in your living room. Jesus, how about you just lead the devotion today, right? You wrote it, right? I mean, it's like, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I'm being sarcastic because that's my spiritual gift, but there's a real sense... You know that by me, about me by now. There's a real sense of like, you think raising your precious little angel was hard? Imagine raising the one to whom angels worship. But we go on about a, our little Christmas card, Christmas, and often don't realize what it would have meant for Mary 
when she hears these words and is greatly troubled. When she hears this, her response is not, tis the season to be jolly. It's, I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death. I don't, I don't understand how this is going to happen. I'll do it. I'm your servant. I'm in. But I'm scared. And man, I, I know some of you are there in your walk of faith. Like you're in, you believe, but you're scared. You're worried. You're anxious. What is that thing in your life that when you think about, like, your heart races a little bit more, you, you don't sleep well at night when it's on your mind, that, that event, that situation, that, that relationship in your life that you worry about? You see, this is what I love about the Christmas story, folks, is that it's real. It's not sentimental. The Bible, hear me, the Bible is not, give me a home where the buffalo roam and the sky is not cloudy all day, where there's sugar and spice and everything nice, because that's not real life in a fallen world, is it? Anybody with me? So what, what, because I want you to relate to Mary, listen, listen, not because you're in the same situation Mary's in, nah. But I guarantee you, you can relate to the emotion that she's feeling in this moment, an emotion of being greatly troubled and no idea how the circumstance you're in is going to turn out. What is it for you? I'm talking to you. Your kids? Your bills? Your health? Making the team? Wondering if your job will be cut next? Life after college? Life after divorce? Life after death? What troubles you? And, and I also want to ask if you'd be honest this morning and say, okay, this is what it is. Like, how do you overcome it? How do you stop worrying about it? Because that's what I'm going to show you here in just a few moments of how Mary goes in Luke 1.29, greatly troubled, to Luke 1.46 and following, totally trusting. Like, I, I read text like this and I go, whoa, what made the change? How was, how was this lady greatly troubled here and now singing a song here? But before we get there, I want you to be engaged to say, what is that thing you worry about and how do you overcome it? How do you stop worrying about it? How do you stop being overly anxious about it? And it reminds me, there's an old Bob Newhart uh, skit. Some of you have seen it where he plays the role of a counselor. Right? And this lady comes to him and she is anxious and worried and, and just distraught. She has this fear of being buried alive in a box. And, and, and it's like she says she can't even go inside homes because it's boxy, you know? And, and I want you to listen to how Bob Newhart, her counselor, uh, counsels her to overcome her anxiety. Take a listen. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. 
All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're there. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. <laughs> So is that the answer to our worries? I mean, is that the answer when we're like Mary and then we're greatly troubled and there's something on our heart? Is it just, we'll, we'll just stop it. I mean, that's like saying you're going to overcome insomnia by just going to sleep. That's the problem. How do we, like Mary, go from a place of being troubled, of being concerned, of being worried, to a place where we're at peace? That's what I want you to see in the rest of this text. Notice that Mary goes with haste, and she has a conversation with Elizabeth. Elizabeth is an older relative, all right? Now, why would she go speak to Elizabeth? Two things. If you know Luke 1, number one is Elizabeth has also been given a miraculous announcement. In fact, she's going to give birth to little Johnny the Baptist. That is the, the, the gift that God has given her, and, and she's amazed, her and Zachariah as well. The second reason why I think Mary goes to see Elizabeth is this, and I want you to track with it. Elizabeth knows what it's like to live with a burden. Elizabeth knows what it's like to face life and be anxious and to be troubled. Why? Because on two different occasions, at least in Luke chapter 1, Luke tells us that Elizabeth is older in life and she's been barren. She has tried and tried and tried to have children, but she's been unable to, and she is past the childbearing age until God comes and gives the miraculous gift of John the Baptist to her. But she knows what it's like to live in a culture in those days where family was everything. And if you did not have family, you were a nobody and man, Elizabeth has lived with this burden. She's lived with this anxiety all her life of, will I ever have children? Will my circumstance ever turn out the way I want it? And notice what Elizabeth says. This is awesome. Verse 41. 
When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she, is, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now listen here, listen, listen. Elizabeth responds the way I don't think I would have responded. See, here's how I would have been tempted to respond, and some of you would as well. If you've known, think about it. Elizabeth has been barren all of her life. Now she finally has a child, only to have her younger relative, at most people guess around 14, shows up, Mary, at her door, and she's with child. Elizabeth has gone from burdened to blessed and now overshadowed. Because the child in Mary's womb will be more miraculous than the one in hers. And if it's me, my temptation would be with my fist clenched and biting my tongue. Yeah, I'm really happy for you. As I turn and walk away. But that's not how Elizabeth responds. Elizabeth blesses Mary and do you know why? Come in here real close because you need to hear this, some of you. Elizabeth had learned through her suffering to be content with God's plan for her life, whatever it was. She didn't have to be Mary. She didn't have to have whatever Mary got. And Mary so needs to see this. She needs to see a living testimony of somebody who has wrestled with anxiety and worry, but come to the point in life to be able to say, God is good no matter what happens. And I want to ask you, Berean, as a side application, are you secure in the plan of God for you? Not somebody else. How do you respond when somebody else gets better news? When somebody else gets used of God in a greater way? When everybody else is getting married and everybody else is having children and everybody else is fill in the blank? Can you, like Elizabeth, say, it is well with my soul? Because listen to me, dear friend, listen to me. Until you can joyfully embrace the story that God has for you and knowing that that's not the same story that God has for someone else, you will never be free. You will never be free. And, and again, Mary needs to see this. She needs to see it's okay. Whatever God's will is for my life, which quite honestly sounds crazy, I can accept. She sees that in Elizabeth. And not only that, Elizabeth points Mary where I want to point you this morning in your life, and that's the grace of God that has come to you. She says it in verse 42 is where I'm taking it from. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed, that is graced or favored, are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You are you are so graced. Mary, I know it's crazy. I know you're troubled. I know you're worried. But see the grace of God in your life. This is a great thing. It's a scary thing. It really is. 
But God is with you and God's grace is upon you. And, and that's, man, that's what I want to point you to this morning because I know that there are some of you eyeball to eyeball. I know there are some of you worried about things in your life, but I want to point you to the fact that you're blessed if you know Jesus. You really are. I, my fear is that you're like Mary, is that you're so blinded by the circumstances of your life that you can't see the grace of God that's all over your life. You see? And you would say, but that's easy for Mary. She has Jesus inside of her. You know where I'm going, don't you? If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, so do you. You ever thought about that? You ever thought that you're just like Mary? Not physically, like the literal Jesus is in your stomach. No. But greater is, in, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You have been blessed, O oh, favored ones, if you know Jesus as your Savior. And as Mary, here it is, here it is, get ready, get ready. As Mary starts to think about the grace of God in her life, as she sees this testimony of Elizabeth in her life, this, this woman who is, is rock solid in her faith, as she, as she sees these things and thinks on these things, she, the shift begins to happen from verse 29, troubled, to verse 46, where she's singing a song. And what we see in Mary, get this, if you don't get anything else this morning, what we see in Mary is the way that she defeats worry is by worship. She defeats worry in her life by worshiping, that is, singing a song of praise to God. Now, why? Before we look at the song, here's why. Track with me, don't miss this. The reason why you worry about what you worry about is because worry points you to what your heart is devoted to. The reason why, listen, it's, it's perfectly fine to care about your kids. You should. And love them. But when your kids become the ultimate thing in your life, the thing your heart is most devoted to, you will worry about them all the time. They're a functional God, an idol of the heart. Or that could be your family, or that could be your job, or that could be financial security. It could be a whole host of things. When you find yourself overwhelmed with worry, it's because what's being touched in the situation of your life is what your heart treasures most. So it naturally goes to say that the way you defeat worry is by redirecting your devotion. That's huge. And what Mary does is she takes her eyes off of her life situation and puts it on God. And she sings a song. Notice she sings first about, first about God's sovereignty. Verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. Are you kidding me? Who's the Mary of chapter 1 verse 29? She's rejoicing now what? In God 
my Savior. I'm going to get to preaching up here. Let's go. Man, she's changed. She's rejoicing now. What? In God, my Savior. Mary is singing a song, a Christmas song about the sovereignty of God. God's got this. Whatever relationally this is going to mean, whatever financially this is going to mean, whatever socially this is going to mean, whatever spiritually this is going to mean, God's got it. He's my Lord. He's in control. He is my deliverer. I don't know what I'm going to face, but I know God will get me through it. She sings a song of the sovereignty of God, and then she sings about the compassion of God, verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Do you know what Mary's singing about there? She's saying, God has looked down on me. (laughs) Who am I? I'm a peasant. I got nothing. I'm dirt poor. I'm a nobody. But God knows me. He's looked down on my humble estate. Like, does it just blow your mind that of all the thousands and thousands of people who have ever lived in the history of humanity and are alive right now, God knows you and every detail about you? Isn't that pretty awesome? I mean, God has the hairs on your head counted, and that's really easy math for some of you. He knows every detail about your life. You're not so of humble estate that God doesn't know your name. And I just, I got to tell you, man, when you're worried and when your life is crazy, there's something really comforting about singing a song that God knows what I'm going through. And not just he's aware of it, but effectually he knows me. Then she keeps singing. She sings about the the name of God. At the end of verse 49, it talks about the the might that he has done, great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary reminds herself here that she's dealing with a God who's pretty awesome. Man, he's holy. He's big. He's majestic. He's righteous. She thinks about the character and nature of God. He is not some little mamby-pamby sissy, I just showed up last night, God, what in the world's going on? He's a holy God. God's name is holy in my life. As Pastor Terry talked about earlier in the service, the the weight of God's glory and, and how when we understand his holiness and the glory of his name, it puts life in perspective. Mary's singing about sovereignty. She's singing about his compassion. He knows me. She's singing about his name. I know who you are. And she keeps singing. You may wish this sermon would end, but it's not going to end until she keeps quit singing, all right? She keeps singing about next, his power. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. Look at me, folks. When you know who you're dealing with, you know what he can do. When you really know who you're dealing with in your life, that is a holy God. You know what God can do in and through your life. Man, the, I struggle sometimes because I feel like we're so disconnected from like people in the Bible, you know? 
And yeah, there are some miraculous things here that we don't see every day in our life, but the emotions of this are just the same. And what the Bible gives us witness to is man, woman, after man, woman, after man, woman, who sees the mighty hand of God work. They look back and they just say that, I thought my situation was crazy. Look what God did. That's crazy. She sings of the power of God. She keeps singing. She sings about the grace of God. The rest of verse 51, he has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble state. Look at verse 54, helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mary sings a song about the fact that God has a resume of reaching down to people who are broken, messed up, have no idea what's going on in their life, and meeting them right where they are. The grace of God isn't for the people who have it all together. The grace of God is for people who are willing to admit they don't. Who are willing, like Mary, to say, I'm scared to death. Man, I don't know. But God reaches down to the rich, that is those who have everything together. They don't get anything because they don't see their need. But to the poor who realizes their desperate need for help, oh, how the grace of God comes and fills. Look right here. There's not one of you in this room that is too low in life right now that the grace of God cannot sweep down and pick you up. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care how worried you are. I don't care how anxious you are. Hear Mary's song, a God of mercy. And then she ends by singing of the faithfulness of God. Verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Why does she mention Abraham? It's, it's rather simple. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham, isn't he? He is the offspring that was promised way back in Genesis. Do you know what Mary is singing about? Here it is, and you need to take this home with you. You ready? Every time God makes a promise, mark it down, he does it. And that's what Mary's reminding herself of. It's what she's singing about. I'm worried, but you know what? My forefather, my ancestor, Abraham, was given a promise that seemed really crazy to him as well. And here it is. Here it is. I can trust you. That's a Christmas song. That's a Christmas song. Because there are times in your life when you don't need chestnuts roasting on an open fire. What you need is a sovereign God who will not abandon you, who has a power to display in your life, who knows your situation and will be faithful to you to the end. And you won't hear that song echoing in the hallways of the Mall of America. But you need that Christmas song echoing in your heart in the dark hours of the soul. Because you don't defeat worry by just hoping that tomorrow will get better. You defeat worry by praising God for the promises he's given you in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And when that happens, your soul is free. Your situation may still be the same, but your perspective is radically different because worry is washed away when worship happens. And Mary is able to go from greatly troubled in verse 29 to greatly rejoicing in verse 46. So, will you do me a favor? Not all season long, because I don't want to be a Scrooge. But would you consider turning off for just a moment those jolly, sentimental Christmas songs sung by old men? And sing a Christmas song of a peasant, poor, teenage little girl who was scared to death. And it won't be about any sleigh rides in the snow. It'll be about a sovereign God who does not abandon his children ever. That's a Christmas song. That's Mary's song. Will you sing with her? Because if you do, who knows? Maybe like Elizabeth, something inside you would leap for joy. Let's pray. God, I ask that um, all in this room would apply your word today. That we would not be so caught up in all that's going on and the worries and the stress and the anxiety that even comes with this season that we would fail to worship. I just, I picture an ancient Near Eastern little girl in the corner of a room with tears flowing down her eyes singing a song about a sovereign God and that's Christmas. So come near into our world of worry and anxiety and trouble and take us from worry to worship as we understand that we are more blessed than we know. In Jesus' name, amen.